This is a true crime podcast. It contains adult themes and content and may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. When a guard would stop and talk to you, you used to stand back and you would yell so people could hear what you were saying to that guard as they walked by or, or within the vicinity. But he knew what a convict was going to do before they thought of it themselves. themselves. He'd just been around that long and uh, he was tough. They'd find uh, Sparky in about every conceivable place you could imagine, which we would, of course, dump. They'd wait until everybody was locked up, and he would open his door and run down to cell one and get a bugler can full of Sparky and take it back to his cell. She had a kind of a hypnotic power. There were a great many wild cats around the penitentiary, and most people couldn't get near them. But she would stand in the doorway of the cell house and say, kitty, 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 and those cats would go to her. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Stool Pigeon Saturday. We've got our special guest back in the studio. We have Haley Noble talking about some of our wartime inmates. Hi, Haley. Oh, oh, you're stuck with me again. Stuck with you. We like it. (laughs) No, we do. Thank you for for doing all this research and bringing all this interesting information to us. Well, thanks for having me. I apologize. I'm a bit uh, croaky. Um, So just bear with me. (laughs) (laughs) Our next inmate up for today is Henry Wazielewski, number 6153. So Henry came here to the pen in 1940. So he's 27 years old and he had committed robbery. Uh, He also sometimes went by Henry Laska. Different records, of course, have different names on them. And that was just his mother's name as well. So he was born in Utica, New York in December of 1912. But his parents actually immigrated over here from Poland. He is of Polish ancestry. His father actually served in World War I. So my thinking is that since Henry was born in 1912, that his father must have crossed then back over the ocean to fight in World War I. And so for his father's service, Poland actually granted Henry land and citizenship, which I thought was pretty cool. Wow, yeah. I, I didn't know that was a thing. So he lived, we're talking Henry again, he lived in Poland for a few years and then returned to the United States. Effectively, he has dual citizenship. After he has returned from Poland, we know that he then joins the U.S. Army. He enlists in February of 1940 and is then released from the Army in May of 1940. And I think that's, again, because of his arrest, they decided, Mm -hmm. okay, you're incarcerated. So we're going to release you from your uh, duty. He is brought to the pen on April 20th, 1940. And he actually in the Idaho pen until January 13th, 1942. Like a year and a half, almost. Originally sent here because he stole a car. Mm -hmm. So he was uh, stationed at Fort McDowell in Arizona. And then he and a buddy decided to go AWOL and hitchhike through Utah and Idaho. Not quite sure what the ultimate goal was, but apparently they thought it was a good idea. Well, hitchhiking is, a, is an easy way to not get traced. 
This guy is speaking through experience. Yes. <laughs> and I mean, since they were stationed there, I'm also thinking that maybe they didn't want to steal an army vehicle. Please don't or... hitchhike. Yes. It is the easiest way to get killed. Yeah. And I'm not even trying to be funny. A, a PSA from, from Sky. A PSA from Sky. Yeah. So basically, they're hitchhiking. They get to Idaho, and someone picks them up. And for whatever reason, they decide to beat up the driver and steal his car. Okay. So probably not the best idea if you're relying on others Mm -hmm. for transportation. But uh, both of them are then apprehended in Pocatello. So once they're caught, Henry gets sent here to the old pen. All I know from his inmate files is that he was a model inmate. He didn't have any infractions or anything like that. So he was actually granted a, a pardon on January 13th, 1942, on the condition that he then joined the military. Mm-hmm. So the cool thing about Henry is that rather than returning to the United States Army, he decides to head up to Canada because that's where the Polish government was recruiting North American people of Polish ancestry. So he gets all the way to Windsor in Ontario, Canada. We know that he does enlist in those Polish forces just a few days after his release on January 21st, 1942. After that, it's a little hazy. I don't know if he really went anywhere after that. I'm going to talk more about the Polish forces in Canada here in a minute. But after that, we don't know how long he was with those Polish forces, except then... uh, He enlisted in the army again on July 30th, 1943, and was with them until August 17th, 1945. And that second enlistment, he enlisted in Washington. And that's in the United States Army? Yeah. So somehow he got from Canada over to Washington State. In that gap, I'm not really sure. Let's see, it's about a year and a half from when he enlisted up in Canada in January 42 to his second enlistment in July 43. Mm-hmm. During that time, it's a little hazy. I don't know entirely what happened. Ultimately, we know that he did survive the war. He was released again in August 1945, and we know that he did uh, come back to Washington and lived in Seattle, particularly. He d- died February 17th, 1996. Mm-hmm. I don't know of what, but fairly long life so so he survived the war but as i was doing research on this guy i'm like what polish forces in canada yeah i had no idea about this of course i had to uh, tangently go investigate go down the rabbit because <laughs> yeah. that's what we do yeah, yeah historians are the best at that right it's yeah. so good it's being great like, sorry what's this oh my well Three and <laughs> my favorite thing is i found an article about him in the uh, idaho daily statesman from just a day after he was released and the headline is idaho prisoner to fight nazis in polish army Oh. So we've got a lot of moving parts there. <laughs> so he was, so based on this article, it kind of makes it sound like he is allowed to go and do that. Like, it's not that he got released and said, like, oh, of course I'll join the U.S. Army and then, like, hightailed it up to Canada. Like, no, he got no. Permission. He got permission. He discussed wanting to go to Canada to join the Polish forces okay. before his release. The conditions of his release are that he go to Canada gotcha. and enlist. Okay. 
the prison administration knew what was going on, that he wanted to do this. And so I think, you know, a lot of people don't necessarily know about this. And when I was looking through my different sources and things, you know, I guess we don't always understand what happens to a country's government once it's invaded, Mm -hmm. you know, and especially during World War II where you have so many moving parts, so many different borders that are happening where got the Germans who decide to annex Czechoslovakia and of course are subsequently occupied by German forces. So then the Czechoslovak government flees and goes, you know, they have to operate elsewhere. So first they went to Paris and then London uh, and they're led by Edvard Benes. And they're basically coordinating these guerrilla tactics for the Czech resistance. There is this underground movement to, you know, try to do everything you can to oppose the German forces mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. outright, of course, you know, meeting them in the street. Mm-hmm. Well, same thing with France. A lot more people know about that, where that situation's a little bit different because um, with the German invasion of France, then the Germans install the puppet government there in Vichy, France. So rather than the capital being in Paris, they move it down to Vichy. And they do install a French kind of president as the head, Philippe Pétain. But people know that the Vichy government, it's a German puppet government. So it's not going to necessarily be friendly to France. And you've got then the Free French setting up down in Africa under the leadership of Charles de Gaulle, who later becomes the French president. And so there's all of these other things. And Poland does the same, where their government is taken down. They're invaded on September 1st, 1939, which we're actually coming up on the 80th anniversary of, Mm -hmm. which is just crazy to me, Mm -hmm. 80 years. Mm -hmm. Um, But so the Polish government flees to France, but of course France falls. So then they decide to go to London because that's the place to be, apparently, for all these governments in exile. Mm-hmm. So they go to London. Well, London is just so isolated in terms... It's, like, literally an island, and mm-hmm. so it is, it is harder to get to, mm-hmm. so I can see why. Well, right. a little bit of a hot spot there. Well, and just the f- fact that, you know, there weren't German forces landing right. on the island. You've right. got the Battle of Britain, but, like you say, very isolated. Mm-hmm the Polish government in exile over there, and they decide, okay, there are Polish people in all parts of Europe, all over the world. You have people who immigrated to North America, living in Canada and the United States. And so they decide they can turn towards that Polish diaspora, particularly in North America, and plan for this recruitment. So you have, of course, all these state officials in you know, discussions with the Canadian government, with the United States government. And this is all at the beginning of 1941. So this is prior to the United States entering the war. I mean, openly, you've still got the Lend-Lease stuff going on where they're still supplying the Allies, but they're not openly sending troops. And so you've got this active recruitment campaign going on asking for these young men here living in America of Polish descent to basically come to Canada, join us up there. We've got this recruitment center set up in Windsor, Owen Sound, 
um, is where they had some basic training going on. They were really hoping that this would get a big force to come over and kind of help with the fighting that was going on. But their expectations were not met. It was basically considered a failure because the numbers just didn't happen like they wanted them. I've got a couple different articles um, that say by October of 1941, only 1,300 volunteers joined and that basically in the overall life of this recruitment center, that only 1,250 volunteers showed up total, which is far lower than they were really hoping for. And I think that's why so many people don't know about it. Mm -hmm. It's because it's just, it was such a small, small effort. And so when you do have the United States entering the war in December of 1941, you see a lot more young Polish Americans joining the United States Army instead. I was going to say, because you, like, even if I was of of a Polish descent, I would not want to get involved in that war. So you're not going to have very many people signing up before the United States is involved. And then Mm -hmm. once they are involved, then most people of Polish descent are going to want to join in the U.S. Army. So that Mm -hmm. totally makes sense as to why this experiment or this this station basically failed. No, it it was an experiment to try to get more of of a fighting force. While I was reading this research, you know, I, I was thinking back to there's this common thread, I guess, when you do immigrant research where, you know, you have the parents who effectively come over and try to establish themselves, and you have those kids who try to become as American as possible. Mm -hmm. And it's Mm -hmm. not for that third generation who starts then looking back to their roots. And Mm so they were effectively targeting those kids of immigrants who were born in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And we know this is not an isolated event. We know that people born to immigrant parents are going to try to be as American as Mm -hmm. possible. And so that's why we see so much more of a success for them joining the U.S. than I think trying uh, to go up and join the Polish forces in Canada. Yeah, it's about legitimizing your role as an American, your parents' role as an American. Yeah, exactly. something we see from the progressive era as uh, immigration really picks up steam. Uh, I would say even through today, the fact Mm -hmm. that that people are, are... will do anything to say just because we came from this other place doesn't mean we're not American mm-hmm. and joining yeah joining a war effort for your uh, the country that you've been born in but your parents were not born in like that's huge that's a huge mm-hmm. way to be like what do you, I fought and died like my people fought and died along with your people we are just as American as you are oh exactly you know a lot of them thought that if they join the war effort that's gonna help them gain citizenship quicker and you know exactly be seen as these americans in 2021 the idaho state historical society is celebrating 140 years of service to idahoans as the trusted source in protecting idaho's historical places and artifacts and sharing its stories As a part of the commemoration, the Old Idaho Penitentiary is committed to bringing you 140 unique stories about the people who worked, lived, and served time at the site through this podcast and the events and programs scheduled throughout the year. The Capturing 140 Storytelling Program offers a unique glimpse at lives filled with hope and despair 
and the enduring triumphs and tragedies at Idaho's only penitentiary from 1872 to 1973. Stay tuned. Overall, this whole recruitment campaign was seen as a failure. There is one article that mentions really the only evidence that this ever happened is there was a tree in Owen Sound today. It's a, a beech tree along the Bruce Trail where an unknown Polish soldier carved into the tree um, words to the Polish national anthem. And so kind of this whole a subject was then reopened in recent years because of this whole carving whereas it had been forgotten before. So just kind that's of a crazy. side story. Wow. and That's cool. Right? That's really to, cool. to find oh. this carving in a tree. Um, you guys are wondering why history is important. Because it is. That's why. Um, well, and, uh, you know, I think a lot of people, too, because Poland has such a complicated history, mm-hmm. where even after the war, the government continued to be in exile because you see the rise in communist Poland, its position behind the Iron Curtain and all of those complications. The same Polish government that fled stays in London until 1990, and it doesn't go back until the first non-communist president of Poland is elected in that same year, wow. 1990. That's crazy. So, a country from literally a completely different country? Well, and in those years, you know, they weren't completely governing. They were annexing part of Germany. The Soviets came in and annexed part of Poland. Mm-hmm. You've got all of the complications with the USSR and all of that to add to it, which I just didn't want to get into too much of because it's just so mind-boggling. <laughs> so anyways... Poland recruited forces up in Ontario, which I had no idea. I did not either. Very cool. <laughs> Very they cool. Had one of the recruits come right out of this joint yeah. area. Yeah, and so just to think of like this guy from the Idaho State Pen mm-hmm. somehow heard about that mm-hmm. and decided I'm going to do my duty. Yeah. Go join the Polish forces in Canada, and then my guess is that when that ultimately failed, mm-hmm. then he decided to join the U.S. Army. So we know that. Some of them, you know, there were numbers that did go up there and succeed, and they were trained in Canada and then sent over to Great Britain Mm. because we do have Polish forces basically joining these other allied units where Poland formed the first Polish corps in the West, and they regrouped up in Scotland and were under Scottish command in the British Army. And then we know there was the Polish Second Corps, which went on to fight in Italy as part of the British Eighth Army. So we know that there were those that did make up part of the Polish fighting force. But my guess is that Henry was never part of that fighting force. Maybe went up there, was trained a little bit, but then since he is joining the U.S. Army again in July 1943, you know, we have a gap, so we don't know for sure. But my thought is that he never left North America. Mm -hmm. Interesting. How did he hear about this? Was well, there... exactly. Your so advertisements in the newspaper. I mean, a letter from a family member. Right. Yeah, it might have been letters. Um, some of my articles write that you know you had these uh, community organizations where you know there was like the Polish American mm. 
clubs and things like that where really the Polish soldier society in Canada where you have these organizations and the high officials in the Polish government was targeting these organizations mm-hmm. to kind of get the word out mm-hmm. where, you, where you have these smaller communities you know they particularly talk about in like Chicago and New York and mm-hmm. where you know the big population, population is going to yeah. be located about getting basically this advertising out to the youth in those communities. Hmm. Very cool. Dang, nice work, Haley. That's oh, a thank fun you. Story. What a, took us all around the world. Right, <laughs> which is why I love history so much. <laughs> all these nice. tangents. For sure. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. All right. No, just you know, thanks for having me. Uh, I love that we get to talk about cool stuff. Yeah, it's fun too. This is so cool. All right. Well, do your own time. Do your own number. Yay! See you next week. If you enjoyed Behind Gray Walls, please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. Not only do we get to hear your feedback about the show, but it helps others find us as well. If you're interested in finding out more about the podcast and to see mugshots of the inmates featured in today's episode, follow our Facebook group at Behind Gray Walls Podcast. And new this season, we have a podcast Instagram as well. You can find us on Instagram at Behind Gray Walls Pod. Waziluski, I think. Um... Like Wazowski? <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> uh, no. Monsters Inc. Monsters Inc. Get out of here. Mike. Is it Mike Wazowski? <laughs> it's Boo. Guy? He's the one with the one eye. With the one eye. No, okay. the Sully, Sully yeah. is the big Sully's guy. Sully's the big okay. guy. And All right. Then, I know what you're talking then, about. And I then Boo's the one. She's got, she's got <laughs> the pigtails. Mike Wazowski. Oh, she's the kid. She's, yeah, Boo is the little oh. one. The, and I was doing the secretary lady. Oh, Ross. Oh, yes. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So she's good. She's <laughs> a good slug. Character.